This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. So I got my head on a swivel here. I'm still looking for the person who perpetrated the hit-and-run job at my desk. Danny, I'm looking at you. Darren, not so much because you're on a different floor, but it did happen while I was away. Somebody managed to dump a bunch of Halloween candy on my desk as if I don't have the self-discipline to ignore that Halloween candy. I mean, you really think I'm just going to devour that immediately? Am I that weak? Wait, did this happen on Monday on Halloween? You know what? That's so interesting because it wasn't me. However, somebody who also works in our office, Sam, who's one of our videographer editors, when I was walking past your desk to go to mine yesterday afternoon, I said, oh my gosh, Paul has so much Halloween candy on his desk. Right. It wasn't me, but I didn't notice and make a comment. See. Okay. How did he end up with all that candy and how come That's it didn't good, make it to the third we, floor? Maybe we should start putting cameras in our room. I'm building a case here. so we have They a might already be there. <gasps> I'm building <gasps> a case and a timeline. So I have Danny Sarek lined up as an eyewitness of sorts. So, of uh, sorts. Hard, hard knocks yeah. is full, yeah. full go That's this right. week, so there might already be cameras. That's right. There's Check no- the video from Hard Knocks. Nobody wants to see what we're doing during the day. Oh, so you think. <laughs> How scared are the two of you that you're going to be part of Hard Knocks? I was scared. I was I'll honestly, be disappointed if I'm not. I was, oh, now look at that. I was scared Monday on Halloween that being the only person in any sort of costume in the press conference room that so I was she going wimped to end out up. every time it took her hat off. Well, that's because I had to feel the vibes. First of all, somebody came a little early, so I had to sneak in late. And I felt weird, first of all, coming in late and then coming in with a big straw hat dressed as a farmer. So I took my hat off for that one. And then for the other two, I just had to feel the vibes. And I was in overalls and tennis shoes and a bandana and a straw hat and nobody else dressed up. I was trying to win the costume contest at work. Spoiler alert, I did not. <laughs> and... No. um so I did take my hat off because I was sitting in the front row. I was just fielding the vibes. And after the way the team lost, it just mm, wasn't really feeling the big straw hat. Well, you'll at least be a cutaway, I think. If they show that press conference, you'll at least be a cutaway because I mean, how do you avoid the media member in the farmer outfit, right? And, I mean, and by that point, without my straw yeah. hat on, I just looked like someone in braided pigtails and, yeah. a, and overalls yeah, on a normal Monday. You just looked Monday. like you, were, yeah. you weren't hitting the dress code. It just That's all. Darren, I mean, if, you, if you're seeking this camera time so desperately, why didn't you have the costume on? Good question. I don't know if I'm seeking the camera time. I, used to first I, time. I would like it to be within yeah. context. It's not like I'm going to go like doing like a, the gritty behind somebody talking on the You know the, what the gritty is? <laughs> so I work with it. My first job. I don't like you anymore, Danny. My first job in media. You didn't like media. me to begin with. That's true. First actual paying job in media, I should say. Uh, and I made all of $17,500 a year in Medford, Oregon as a weekend sports anchor. I and can beat that. The sports director used to have a saying. He said, Paul, you're one of two kinds of people in this business because there are only two kinds. Those who want to be in TV and those who want to be on TV. Yes. And so, Darren, uh, former or the latter? Well, 
First of all, I just want to I want to trump you right away. My first full time job was in Flagstaff at the Arizona Daily Sun, which was probably after you started in the business. And I was making <laughs> a little bit. I was making fifteen thousand six hundred dollars mm. for my first salary. Mm. My favorite story of that one is I was complaining a little bit to that to my father, and he goes, "That's not that bad." My first salary was twelve thousand dollars. I'm like, that was like thirty five <laughs> years ago. Where's the CPI, the Consumer Price Index? we got to adjust for inflation. Come on now. All right, so look, uh, head on a swivel here for another reason. The trade deadline just came and went as of this recording of Cardinals Underground. The fact Darren's here and not writing a big story uh, tells us that the Cardinals were not active right before the deadline. That is true. They, okay. did not, they did not execute a trade on trade deadline day. Many other teams did, but the Cardinals did not. Nick Chubb goes to the Dolphins. Do you think there was any chance Nick Chubb might have been reunited with his former head coach in Denver, Vance Joseph, and the Cardinals defensive coordinator? Do you think any? I mean, was that just a pipe dream all along? Probably. I don't. I. When you look at what the Cardinals needed, I like. I just don't know what you'd be willing to get in. You know, it's when you're having are you to giving look at your, it. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, when like, yeah, what are you willing to give? And players that are, you know, got a contract year next year and age it, it, there's so much that goes well, into it and i'll and build be, a case i mean i'll build a case for nick chubb don't make me and and look not to take a page out of darren's book and be a complete pessimist and i'm not saying that the season is completely done for but when you're looking at teams like philly and buffalo who are have been making trades and have been doing well you know those are the teams that they're they're feeling very confident in making a push already and at three and five you have to think about just where you're at, what you're going to need the next couple years. Not not to be a complete also, downer, but also where your roster is. I mean, you you still got. I'm assuming you're going to want to extend Zach Allen. I'm assuming you definitely want to extend Byron Murphy. Yep. And you know, are you going to bring in a guy that you're automatically going to have to extend immediately? I mean, that's probably going to cost you some other people if you make that move, and you're giving up your first round pick, which I understand. There's going to be arguments to do something like that to get a pass rusher like Bradley Chubb. but Yeah, either way, you have to fill that spot, right? You go into the offseason, your biggest need this offseason is still going to be your biggest need next offseason, an edge rusher, someone that That's true. the opposing offensive coordinator has to account for. You're in the same spot before you had Chandler Jones. Correct. And what did they do to fill that spot? Trade for a guy who's in a very similar point of his career as a Bradley Chubb. Correct. Uh, you're, you're. I will. I will give you that. That's that is that is a fair parallel. I mean, if you're going for a thirty-something pass rusher, no. No. Okay, I get it. But a guy in his prime. You're and, right. Okay. You know, and you were just paying twenty million a year I, for I gotta, Chandler Jones anyway. I, I, I guess I you know the props to Paul. I, no, I'm just saying it might. But it did take more than just a first-round pick from Miami, including Chase Edmonds, the former Cardinal, was part of that, and there was another pick involved, etc. So. But uh, all right, you know, it's uh, and look, those two teams are in a different spot in the standings than the Arizona Cardinals right now. That's a fact. Buffalo is the odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl, at least the top three. Miami now with this move to fill their biggest hole on their roster. They're right in the mix in the AFC. The Arizona Cardinals at three and five. Just confounding. Not sure what to think. Well, it'll be interesting because I personally feel like with three straight divisional games on deck, this will arguably be the most pivotal point of the season. The Cardinals are two games back from Seattle and first in the NFC West, which is who they host this week. If you don't come out with wins, 
you're in trouble. I, I, that, that to me feels like you might be in a hole that you've dug that is too deep for you to dig yourself out of. If they can come away with two, maybe three wins these next couple of weeks, then you're, you're still in the mix for the NFC West and you, you know, get some momentum and you get things rolling. But when we record this in a month after these next three games, I personally feel like it's going to be one end of the spectrum and not in the middle. I, they got, I mean, to me, with everything, they have to win at least two of these games if this is the conversation that they want to have. And I, I don't, I don't really think that that's that out of touch to say. I mean, even Cliff Kingsbury said this week, guys. He said, you know, we've talked about how important this three-game stretch is. So, it's your midterm exam. You started the class slow. Here comes the midterm. You're aiming to still be viable by the final exam, but you might have to drop the class after this midterm. Uh, the way this thing plays out was Seattle at home, and oh boy, just a reminder, everyone. Uh, hello, the Seahawks in Arizona have uh, gone seven one and one in the last nine games in the AZ. Of course, I was with Russell Wilson. Uh, they've upgraded upgraded a quarterback, by the way. We'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> And then you have a Rams team that is always vexing that Sean McVay offense, obviously. And then, of course, you're going to Mexico City against a 49ers team that has bolstered its offense with Christian McCaffrey, the rushing, the receiving, and the throwing touchdown in his second game with the 49ers. But that's like so far away. We're talking about a Seahawks team that, look, none of those opponents are going to mean anything to the Cardinals if they can't conquer themselves what is that old saying the biggest battle is against oneself isn't that really where this cardinals team stands right now darren you, you keep hearing the word self-inflicted it's like me yesterday i walked out to the parking lot all the way to the side lot i need like a shuttle ride to get to my car right i walk all the way out there to grab something out of my car oh no no forgot my car keys mm. self-inflicted that's the kind of stuff you can't have happen that's true yeah i mean i can understand that walk back yeah. to the office would yeah. be hard in shame head down well, you know, the earlier you get here, Paul, the Big L. more parking lot spots are available. But <laughs> okay, there I would go. say it can always get worse. I, you know, <laughs> you're you're right. Although, I mean, we've we've all been covering this league for a while, Paul. You and I for more long, many years, more years yep. than we probably want to admit. Ronnie Lot. It feels like. I mean, when teams start getting into the self-inflict, I mean, what else is there? It's it's the whole, you know. I know they're self-inflicted because if you rarely do teams come out of games and then they lose and they feel like well they we played the best game yeah. we ever have we just got beat by a better team no no one's ever willing to say that so. I, I will agree that nine times out of ten self-inflicted usually evolves or morphs into we're not very good yeah well we're sub five hundred or, or it's a it's a subtle like you know it's a euphemism for we're right. not very good here's the only caveat I'll throw to that and you tell me if I have any ground to stand on. Doesn't it feel like, speaking of the vibes over there, Danny, speaking of the vibes, doesn't it feel like this team has sort of taken it upon itself to ease their way into the season? They certainly ease their way into games. They've yet to score a touchdown in the first quarter all season long, which is mind-boggling. But just the, sort of the, what happened the last two years was nobody was better earlier in the season, especially last year, 7-0, and 10-2. Okay, you know what? What did we get for that? absolutely nothing so now they came into this season saying we're going to be poised and ready and we're going to strike when that when the calendar turns to november well guess what it is november there's not a chill in the air because we're in arizona 
but there's some meaningful football hanging out there and this stretch of games that you know what especially with hard knocks now debuting to come full circle to hard knocks again guess what it's all right here if you don't get the best effort and you get error free football if it doesn't happen now it never will I, I disagree. I don't think that this team was necessarily slowly making their way into the season because they they didn't look good. It's not to me like it's – I don't see this as, you know, they're they're preparing for a marathon and not a sprint. I just feel like they were just so lost and unable to really communicate through those first couple of games, and we've seen it a little better the last couple of weeks. But you're right, we haven't even seen a, a full game of complimentary football. And, and not to necessarily point fingers, I know that it truly does stem from all three phases of the game. It's been the offense, and that's really not a secret. The, the defense, for the most part, has done its job week after week. We've seen some pretty big special teams plays uh, with a fake punt. You know, the in Seattle, that blocked punt, which Chris Banjo took in the end zone. Lucky Foto's face mask blocking. <laughs> the only touchdown of the game, by the way, last time he played Seattle for the Cardinals. Right, but I don't see this as it was necessarily... I can't imagine this team of, oh, look at how hot we started the last couple years and it hasn't panned out. Like, let's mentally just try and mosey our way into the season, you know, as the water, you know, warms up. No, I I see this as the team wasn't ready. First of all, Danny never hesitates pointing fingers when it has to do with pointing at me. I just want to make that clear. I'm not disagreeing. (laughs) Um, She only disagreed with me so far. I feel like when you're making that point about easing into the season, again, I hate to – maybe this is just too many years of hearing some of this stuff. We never hear we're going to ease into the season ahead of time. It's always after the fact mm. that, hey – and that comes across if, if it gets brought up. Now, I'm not saying they're bringing this up. This is kind of how we're interpreting it. But, I mean, that's – that. No, nobody in their right mind should be easing into the season. So if you are doing that – it just feels like okay, we got to come up with a reason why we're di- why why it happened. Here's the other reason I bring that up is because after the game, in the post game radio interview with Rondale Moore, he had mentioned that the message from Cliff Kingsbury and some of the team leaders in that locker room and, and Darren, you you heard it in the press room, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, there was some. Well, I, I didn't. Let's. I want to make this very clear because I brought it up a couple of times. Okay, what I heard, did you hear? I heard like one off expletives. It's okay. not like I heard like this stream of yelling and and people yelling at each other. That's not what I heard. I heard I heard expletives, which is what you would expect after some very angry people lost a close game. So after that, yeah. af- okay, after the cool-down period, after the head coach spoke, some right. team leaders spoke, according to Rondell Moore, part of the message sent in that locker room was that the urgency has to get better, not necessarily on game day, but leading up to the game. And if you had rewinded two weeks ago, Vance Joseph, I thought, had a somewhat telling comment. Now, he was talking in general about just NL life in the NFL and young guys, but his comment was that the process of winning is harder than winning on game day, meaning the process. The Monday through Saturday, that process is harder than the actual process of four quarters on game day. And that's what the young guys in particular have to learn. And I wonder if this team has learned that yet. And I wonder if that wasn't part of the message after the loss. 
here this past week in Minnesota. That guess what? The sense of urgency, because Cliff Kingsbury said in the press conference, he said on his TV show this week, you know what? You just can't kind of go through the motions during practice and say, I'll get it right come game day. And I think there has been too much of that. We've been hearing that since week two. Yes. After the week one loss yes. to the Chiefs, you, we Danny. were automatically hearing we need better practice habits. We need a better sense of urgency. We need to have guys ready. We're eight games what, in. We're what, eight what, games what, in. What is happening during the week? And and if the issue is practice habits, okay, sure. Like coaching staff takes some responsibility there. If it's a sense of urgency, what is this coaching staff supposed to do to inject a sense of urgency into these professional athletes? That, to me, is on the players. Why don't you have any sense of urgency if, if that's what, what the case is? And, and just to play along and just to, to, to maybe try and answer that question because I'm not inside that locker room, I would say two things. One, uh, guess what? You're looking at a failure of a season at 3-5 and five with three division games straight ahead. So the time is now. Once again, I use the whole midterm analogy. You're going to flunk this class if you don't ace the midterm. And then number two, guess what? Hard Knocks is in town. Your name and face is going to be on it. So you can come out and you can look at what happened to the Colts a year ago. Their turnaround and the run they made down the stretch before a heinous, miserable loss in the final game of the year at Jacksonville. They actually went on a run, and it coincided with the arrival of Hard Knocks. Yes, that's true. So... Has the team sort of been waiting for this moment? That's fact, my only question. Were the Colts three and six? I three and real five. close. Two and very close. They weren't uh, two and six. It was they, they had might like, have been two and six. I don't know. It's they had not it's been a, winning. It's no, it, and it's a it's a fascinating concept. I just like to state for the record, Danny. Paul says he doesn't want to be on camera, but he's like down on the sideline where they're going to get the bulk of their stuff. And like, if we don't wear where's Waldo him at least couple Paul, times we'll be stunned no. Paul's uh, gonna have on his hand that isn't holding the microphone he's gonna write in the palm of his hand hi mom and he's just gonna wave <laughs> at the cameras right I'm behind the cameras I'm jockeying for position with the camera people that's the problem well, okay it's also true. I'm not in front of the lens I'm actually getting hit by the back of the camera down there is what's I, happening I, you know I the hard knocks thing is fascinating to me because no matter what direction this season goes right it's gonna be captured and we're going to the three of us, who were embedded with this team, basically, right? But we don't get to see most of this stuff. We ultimately, we can talk to people, but this this group is pretty buttoned up. I've, I've been around a lot of different teams, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different players. Um, the players don't say a whole lot. The coaches don't say a whole lot. I mean, and we're going to have some stuff revealed to us, I would think. If you saw the trailer that was just put out effective today, there was a little clip, a snippet in there that no one had seen. And it was Buda Baker after the Eagles loss at home, basically giving a very passionate, passionate post-game speech. Everybody on a knee and Buda Baker standing there, team captain, basically yelling, I'm sick and tired of losing at home. And then, of course, the Cardinals did something about that. They ended the home losing streak. But... There have been a couple referrals to that by the head coach, by a couple other players. That Buddha had something to say after the Eagles lost, and you saw it. You saw yes. it there, and, and man, was he animated. And that was something I heard. You might have heard it, too, sitting in the front row in the presser room, which is a, very close to where those lockers are at State Farm Stadium. And so we were waiting. At least I heard. I couldn't hear specifically what was being said, but waiting in the front row for those doors to open to go into locker room postgame, you could hear somebody was yelling passionately. And so that that's what that was. It's amazing um, how thin the walls can be in some of these stadiums when 
guys get animated. Oh. I heard, heard it. Although no. I will say, old school story is back in Sun Devil Stadium. <laughs> After a particular loss, um, and we're all waiting. And the and the way it used to work at Sun Devil Stadium is you were literally waiting in a hallway, literally right outside the doors of the Cardinals locker room where they would be. And Raynock Thompson was yelling so loudly that a we totally knew it was Raynock Thompson, and b we could make out what he was yelling. And it ended up in everybody's story the next day. I mean, we weren't in the locker room, yeah. but we might as well have been because. The doors didn't contain it. <laughs> That's good stuff. I remember that. Did, back in those days, I'm trying to remember, did the head coach actually have his own little press conference yes, room? Yes, there was a second. There was a press conference room right across the, the – Oh, uh, yes. And they would bring the coach in there. That's right. And they, once in a while they'd bring other guys, but, yeah. but most of the time you'd yeah. be going to the locker room, and it was separated a little bit better. I, and I just want to state, for anybody who's seen Jerry Maguire, I know you probably haven't, Danny, but – I have, uh, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah, I saw it for the first time a little more than a year ago. Okay, there you go. Feeling really old right now. Um, the scene at the end just drives me up the wall at Sun Devil Stadium, where Cuba Gooding comes out of the locker room, and all the all the people are waiting to talk to him. That's not how it happened. God, I hated that. Ever since it came out, Darren, I'm like, come why on. wouldn't we have gone in the locker room? Why wouldn't he come into the room? Mm, whatever. By the way, I covered Super Bowl 30 in that in that stadium. Oh my goodness, was that a nightmare? I'm you talk sure. about a crush of media members and not being able to move. There's anywhere. no room. I mean, no room whatsoever. And the Cowboys beat the Steelers, and it was the height of their popularity with Aikman and yeah. Emmitt and. Michael Irvin, that was the biggest disaster ever. I need one of those NFL Films boom mics that go about 20 feet in length just to get my mic in there. It was absurd. So here's my other theory. All right, there are predictions all around. By the way, Pat P's prediction uh, <laughs> didn't work out. A little bit later, if you're lucky, I'll tell you how my prediction of a J.J. Watt two-sack game did work out. But I have a new prediction right now. You realize the Seahawks, after this Cardinals game, have to go to Munich. They have to fly to Germany. Are you jealous? I, you don't have to ask me twice for, for Actually, a German I, road trip. I, I wouldn't mind a German uh, road trip. That would be that really would be cool. cool. That'd be yeah. really cool. I'm just wondering, maybe they're a little distracted coming into this game. A little bit. I'm trying to remember when the Cardinals had a game in London. When they, Who do they play in Munich? They the play Bucks? Tampa. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of fanfare, obviously. I read a story in the Sports Business Journal when they put those tickets up for sale in Germany that at one point on Ticketmaster online, there were over a million people in queue. What? Trying to buy tickets for that game. So if you don't think the NFL didn't notice that, and the NFL isn't, doesn't have designs on more games in Germany, well, and, and it's let's, coming. It wasn't all German people, though, right? No, it was, it was open. Because... The Brady factor, the Seahawks t traveling factor, sure. I'm sure all play. Yep. I mean, if you're a Seahawks fan, just like when, when the Cardinals went to London, if you have a chance to travel to London, go to London for a week when you, maybe you've never been there and go see your favorite team play, that's yeah. uh, that's million across, but a million people, that's... And the first ever NFL regular season oh, game in Germany. True, true. I mean, you know, it's hey, historic. The Cardinals, there's going to be over 100,000 people at the 49ers Cardinals yeah. game in a couple weeks yeah. in Mexico City. We've yeah. seen that once already. Yeah. So, question is, will the Cardinals still be in contention? So, mm. yeah, but Seahawks, look, we can talk all about the Seahawks we want. You just played them. That's great. Geno's balling. Okay. You know, number one in completion percentage. He's top four in passer rating. You know, Kenneth Walker is legit. We get it. They fixed the defense. They've been really good basically ever since the Cardinals game. That's great. That's the opponent. 
aren't there enough issues for the Cardinals? Shouldn't all the focus really be on this team right here, right now? And when I say self-inflicted, and we can get into that, and, and you know, we can be dubious on that assessment or what have you, but what is the confidence level that you think enough of these can be corrected that the Cardinals can change the course of their season? I mean, what is the confidence level on that day? I mean, because they are correctable. Let's face it. They when, really, truly are self-inflicted. Is it going to change? I think the self-inflicted wounds, when you look at penalties, burning timeouts to avoid delay of game penalties, that kind of stuff can be fixed. When I'm look, thinking about the self-inflicting wounds on offense and the pieces you have, which for a good portion are a lot of the pieces you had last year. The clear miscommunication on routes, passes being underthrown, um, the blocking, not having holes for your running backs to go through. I can't believe I am sounding like Darren twice in one podcast. How it's a sobering fi- moment. How, how fixable are these? I truly don't know. I, I, I don't know what, if if it were that easy, wouldn't they have made those changes by now? It's so much more than just saying you didn't have D-Hop for six weeks and then you don't have Hollywood Brown. So I don't know if they can't figure it out when you're looking at finding that rhythm offensively and scoring touchdowns. I don't, I, I, there, I, no, I know it's not easy. It can't be easy because easy is easy. If it were do. easy, we would be out there doing it. We wouldn't be sitting here in a podcast studio talking about it. That's right. Well, I will say this for the first time, maybe all season, I, I did look at the Cardinals offense and say, it's a personnel issue when you're missing three or five starters on the offensive line. The offensive line. line thing doesn't help. I don't think. Yeah. Otherwise you can say, okay, you know what? In terms of matching up talent for talent, per, Cardinals have had enough to win every single game. But in this game against Minnesota, against Darius Smith and Daniil Hunter and Josh Jones is your left tackle, and Cody Ford is still getting up to speed, and Billy Price obviously had moments where he struggled. And so to go from D.J. Humphreys, Justin Pugh, and Rodney Hudson, who are three legitimate Pro Bowl caliber type players with a lot of smarts and a lot of experience between those three, you know that obviously was a big liability. All told, Kyler still was only sacked four times, twice in the final two plays of the game. I get it, but he was hit and he was harassed, and we know. When Kyler's under duress, he has a tendency to get some of those happy feet, and already he's had accuracy issues, especially downfield, and that certainly didn't help. Well, the the long interception was yeah, not just, enough. I mean, he just got collapsed upon, and he, he shouldn't have thrown the ball. That's on him. But, I mean, he never really had a chance. So, But even like the A.J. Green where he missed A.J. Green on the first possession. Was, Oh, that See, should have been six against Pat P. Pat P was celebrating like yes. he had made some great play, and I'm oh. like, you just got that hand delivered. By the way, you're close with Patrick Peterson, Paul. What, what's going on there? Why, 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 why did he not bring some of this stuff up? You know, last year, or when he left, and more importantly, were you leaving things on his stool? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Okay, let's let's take that in reverse order. <laughs> let's take that in reverse order. You know Pat P. as well as I do. Yes, I do, yes, yes. yes I've, I've emceed a number of his charity events, and I've gotten to know him and his wife, and, and, and they're, they're lovely people. And really, I've, they I've are. always liked okay? Patrick. Yes, but when it comes to some of his dealings with the media, there can be an awareness issue. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, there just is. Uh, but Pat is pretty, obviously, is a pretty open book. So if something yes. like that had happened, 
I just tend to believe we would have known about it. Off the record, through back channels. You would think. We would have known about it. You would think. He's not one to really keep the silence, as we just witnessed. That's what I always thought. Or when it happened, it didn't bother him nearly as much, and now he's has the ability to use it as some kind of... Now, now why he, he went off to such a degree because he was by far the most animated and demonstrative player on that field. Because he mean, was mic'd up? He was, <laughs> there you go. That's a great, that is a great theory. You're absolutely right. You know what? I, we could just end it right there. You're right. He wasn't mic'd up in week two of 2021. He was mic'd up in this edition. So that could well, be enough. Well, he played better this year too. And he, he certainly did. And he didn't play, yeah. I mean. And look, we said it on the sideline during the game. If he would have been that aggressive, and that physical, his last couple of years with the Cardinals, he might still be a Cardinal. Because we didn't see any of that sort of physicality towards the end in his career with the Cardinals. And quite honestly, and I don't mind saying this, that when your highest paid player on defense isn't giving it his all or willing to put his body on the line, then that gets contagious. The rest of the defense says, well, if that guy's not going to try and make the open field tackle and throw his shoulder pads into it, then I'm not. Yeah, I would, so, and and I'll say this: I just I felt like it got so personal, and not just oh. the Steve Kime stuff, but like, you know, if you're mocking Kyler with the video game stuff, I'm like, yeah, that that was that it was all disrespectful. That's, way, that's and, all way yeah. further than. And it was all towards. I, look, I obviously wasn't here when Patrick Peterson was here. It was from what it sounds like with the podcast and the gaming celebration, and you know Kyler Murray's touchdown celebration that Pat P did in the end zone. It all seemed directed just towards Kyler. And then at the end of the game, he was going off on general manager Steve Kime. But it was all about Kyler. It's 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 just a whole... But, I mean, again... And I... Look, I understand. I said this in the mailbag. I understand why a guy would be mad at the organization or the general manager if you felt like he left you hanging or, or they he discarded you, which is essentially what they did. I get that. Um, but... I don't. I didn't hear anybody saying anything last year about the Cardinals making the wrong decision. You know, Patrick was okay last year. I don't think he did anything next level. And and you know, you let Chandler Jones go this year, and he's got 15 tackles and a half a sack so far. Um, and the other thing, when it comes to Pat, I mean, Patrick's been mad at this team for a long time. He asked for the trade in 2018. In 2019, he was salty at the team. <laughs> For not redoing his contract because once he got suspended for the PEDs, he was mad that the team wouldn't redo his contract so he'd get more money a la what the Browns did with Deshaun Watson, and which I don't understand why. I understand why you'd ask. I don't understand why you'd be angry if they didn't do it. Once again, he he conveniently forgets that he demanded a trade in the middle of the 2018 season, and then he was the one who got suspended for six games. It just, you know, and, and look, at the end of the game, I was, my, it was sort of half and half. Half the people ignored Pat. Half the people went over and shook his hand, gave him a from hug. From the Cardinals, you from mean? From the Cardinals. Yeah. And I would have gone, if I was out there on the field, I would have gone yeah. and said hi to him. And I did. I said, you know, and, and so I did. And then I went back behind the bench to grab my bag. And everyone had left the sideline at this point to go to midfield. And his whole Steve Kime thing actually started. With yours truly, for better oh, or worse. Oh, man, Paul. Because as I grab my bag, I come back out around the bench, and he's looking at because he had just – the last guy he had talked to was Byron Murphy. Right. Murph leaves to go to midfield, and Pat now is looking at me and me only. Hey, Paulie, where's Steve Kime? Where's Kime? Where is he? The whole thing. Well, Cam Cox, or here's it. 
comes over with a camera, puts it in Pat's face, and he repeats the whole line. This time on camera. So it's all and, your fault, Paul. And, and, no. and then he did it. He did it to the reporters in the he locker did. room too. You're right. He did it in front of his locker, and so, so he wasn't giving it up. Yeah. But, Anyways, but it was that's enough. Pat yeah. Anyway, it was palpable. It was all game, and he was barking, and uh, you know, and and okay, uh, and he, he made some plays, but there were two underthrows where Cardinals had opportunities, and it just wasn't there. And aren't there some analytics, as I segue into Kyler just real quick, aren't there some analytics that his deep ball accuracy is indeed way down? I have not seen that. I think it's next-gen stats. If you look at it, I, I they kind of document well, it. Well, he was the best deep ball thrower in the yes. league last year. Yes. And on the other side of that, I was looking at his pass chart on next-gen stats. He threw 44 passes. 24 of them were within five yards of the line of scrimmage 13 of them were at the line of scrimmage or behind it wow that's a lot wow yeah when we talk about the downfield passing game is definitely missing this year that's evidence thereof obviously but again when we start talking about this last game in particular how much of that was the offensive line and being concerned that he wasn't going to get the protection he needed yeah against those pass rushers absolutely yeah (laughs) Yeah, D Hop had 12 grabs for a buck 59 on 13 targets. And then Rondell Moore with those two big downfield targets later in the game ended up with seven receptions for 94 yards. So you saw the talent at receiver, obviously. Um, if Robbie Anderson can get worked into this thing somehow, some way, and you saw his ability to separate, the throws weren't on the money. But to your point, Danny, there was zero run game. The Cardinals got outrushed in the game 173 to 78. And the Vikings at six yards a carry. That's a big deal. I don't think it would have looked much different had James Conner been healthy enough to play, who's been dealing with a ribs injury. Um, I, I don't think that play was on Eno Benjamin. Meaning and, there and weren't not, many running lanes. No. Yeah. And and so and Eno has played well. Kyler Murray was your, your leading rusher. He had, what, I think 36 rushing yards, and Eno had 22 or 28. I I just don't think it would have looked much different if you had your number one running back out on the field. It just wasn't there for the Cardinals on Sunday. So we'll see if they can run it against a Seattle defense that if you saw shut down Saquon Barkley, the NFL's leader in scrimmage yards, the number two overall rushing offense in New York Giants, and they just held him to a season low. The Seahawks run defense absolutely contained Saquon Barkley. I will say, though, that for all the problems the Cardinals have had this season, there is no way the Cardinals' passing game isn't better than the Giants' passing game, especially right now with the Giants' lack of receivers. So uh, the problem is, is I don't want to get ahead of my skis, and when the Cardinals played the Seahawks the first time, the Seahawks had had horrific defense, and they couldn't do anything. Now, that happened to be the beginning of this stretch, as you mentioned, but I don't know. Well, and, and look, the turnovers were Oof. the killer. Yes. So, And that's something that had not plagued the Arizona Cardinals until week eight. They were tied for second fewest turnovers in the NFL. And then along comes the Vikings game and the two picks and the muff punt. And boom, there you go. It's like I was talking about with Craig Grealou on cover two. The little things are big things in the NFL. And then the big things are game changers. And those turnovers were such that it was too much to overcome, especially on the road. So now, guess what? You're, you're going against a Seahawks team, and you wonder what – the other thing that's interesting about this offense was the fact that they were indeed huddling more, and because of the huddle, Kyler Murray is wearing that wristband, the laminated play sheet on the wristband. And apparently the two 
go hand in hand. They're synced up because when in the huddle, he gives him greater ability to communicate some of these plays that are coming in, according to Cliff Kingsbury. We didn't get a real definitive statement as to why exactly he's wearing the wristband, but it does have something to do with the huddle and trying to improve communication. I, I mean, I, and it's fun. I'm going to, I'm going to work on a story on this this week because I think a lot of people are talking about the whole situation, the whole play calling and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it makes some sense to me if you, you send in a sing, single number and all he has to do is look at it and then rattle it off as he reads it to the people in the huddle, whereas opposed to, you can't really do that yeah. at the line of scrimmage if everybody's out. Right. Um, so or, that, or Cliff that, reciting the entire yes. play in the headset instead yes. of just calling out a number. But what, what I'll have to say, you know, Cliff said we're working out some of the kinks because we've never really done that before. But I would just think it would be really simple if all Cliff is doing is saying call play seven. Right. And then you're in the huddle and then all Cl- Kyler's doing is reading it off. You would think that would quicken things up quite a bit. Because how much time do you when when the when the speaker goes off in the helmet and the play clock? It's at the fifteen second mark. Yet, how often are the Cardinals breaking the huddle with less than fifteen seconds on exactly. the play clock and, and then burning when, a timeout? Well, out. I think it's the other way around. How often are they breaking the huddle before with more than fifteen seconds? Because I hardly, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I, I I don't know if they ever are. Wait, say that again. I'm saying when you when yes. they break the huddle I'm in this he, last he game, you look up. He was making it more dramatic. He was agreeing with you. Oh, what see, I'm saying is, you're Do saying they ever? How, okay. Yes. Yeah, I get it. No, I'm sorry. You got to right, cut that whole thing. Paulie Simpleton. <laughs> no, Paulie Simpleton over here. No, no, just, I, I, I realized this was is, coming out of a, Thank God Danny's but here. But it's a constant. Cut that out, Elmo. Just like trying to get me to ascertain things, it's a constant challenge trying to beat the play clock. It shouldn't be this difficult. It's like the Cardinals against the play clock. Two out of every three snaps. That that could be one of the self-inflicting wounds. Yes. So Fix why that. that is, I, and I get it. You have three new offensive linemen. You have a brand new receiver who's in there, not as often as you would have thought, a Robbie Anderson. And then you have other chemistry issues. I mean, Kyler has never been in sync with A.J. Green, and he doesn't look like he's all that in sync with Zach Ertz either. Yeah, that was... That's confounding. Um, especially since Zach Ertz was supposed to be the big answer against that zone coverage by the Vikings, right? Zach Ertz, the master of finding space in a zone. And and it just you just feel like Kyler and Zach Ertz are leaving so many yards out in that field game after game. And especially this game where tight ends have had a lot of success against this Seattle defense. If you look at some of the numbers, you would think, okay, here's another big game potentially for a Zach Ertz. They have some young corners out there, Seattle does, although they have a real steal in the draft. The round five, six, four corner, Tariq Woolen, who has four interceptions on the year. He's the guy who intercepted the ball against Hollywood Brown at the end of the week six, and he was right there step for step, stride for stride with Hollywood because he is a burner and he's tall. And that that's going to be a really interesting matchup against DeAndre Hopkins if they decide to man him up, and, that, and that's a matchup zone of sorts or, or whatever they do. But, yeah, it's – um. I just want – you're putting the huddle in at this point in the season. Okay, what else is coming the way uh, in terms of adjustments, alterations? Are, are they just – are they – at that point, it goes beyond fine-tuning Well, to actually some pretty major change. Because if you ever would have thought that Cliff Kingsbury yeah. was going to adopt the huddle in the middle of a season – I almost think like we're underplaying the significance of that. I, and that's kind of why I want to do a story. And I'm going to say this. There's a lot of – I feel like there's some people like, what, you know, how, how are you not 
doing this or what and I, I feel like saying isn't this what everybody wanted everybody's saying why aren't you changing why aren't you doing something different well True. they're trying something different and there's going to be some bumpiness to it if they're going to try something significantly different you can't you can't sit there and say they're they're not doing it right they should complete they need to change something and then when they change something you say why, why are you changing things that's how I felt when they did their first walkthrough, which I believe is the plan for this Wednesday, correct? Uh, you mean the the closed walkthrough right. on Wednesday? Yes. Correct. And the first time they did that was, was that before Seattle the first time? Uh, might have been. But yes, the this week's this week's Wednesday practice is just going to be a walkthrough. And but that go, I'm agreeing with your point of if you're going to shout from the rooftops, make some changes, something's not working, and then this team starts making you, you can't yell at them for trying to make changes and figure out what's wrong. Well, what's you wrong. can. They can yell at whatever they want. That's true. That's want, true. And, and they, they do. <gasps> Jinx. Here, I'm going to ask the question that everybody's wondering. You're way too excited about that. You if, are not excited enough. If the team is talking about how practice, man, isn't good enough, about how there needs to be more urgency in practice, man, then why is there a walkthrough on a Wednesday? Is it because of the injury situation? And I bring that up because I, I did want to reference, what was the tweet you sent out as some sort of analytics analysis oh, of yeah, who's Fox, the most injured? Yeah. What was that? It was some kind of rating on on who was impacted the most on, okay. on because of injuries. And basically, so it wasn't just sheer number of injuries. Like It was no, like the impact I, of injuries. I feel like if you read it, like it was like the closer you were to 100, the better off you were you weren't affected as much by gotcha. injuries because the eagles were over 90 i think they were the only 90 team and Im- impacted the least on injuries or something and the yeah. cardinals were last in the league and that's what's truly ironical as i create a word about this season is that if the cardinals were indeed easing their way into this season if they were indeed running a marshmallow camp in august and trying to make sure everyone stays healthy for the stretch run november december and january oh boy anything but has materialized well Rodney Hudson's never been healthy like he essentially came into camp unhealthy and I'm you know he said originally one of the reasons he considered retirement so heavily was because he wasn't sure if his body could still do it and I think it's becoming clear that it's his body can't still do it what is the listed injury knee yes okay and and there's no clarity would you even care to just irresponsibly speculate on the future of Rodney Hudson. I'll take anything at this point. I mean, we're sitting here on a Tuesday morning. Cliff Kingsbury already ruled him out for the Seattle game on Monday. Oh. So, I mean, and and when you see him on the sidelines during games, he's there. But it, you're down there more than me, Paul, but it looks like yeah. he's, he's limping still. He does have a hitch in the giddy-up. There's no doubt about so, it. So, I mean, I, I just I, I don't know how much you can necessarily count on that. Okay. I feel like I just ruined his day. And it's <laughs> well, like, the it's unfortunate new. the yeah. unfortunate part is, and this isn't necessarily on Billy Price or Max Garcia last year per se, or a little bit of Sean Harlow. Going back to last year, there is a significant difference in how Kyler Murray in this offense operates when Rodney Hudson is not in at center. And and that's not so much a knock on the other players, more so a knot of respect of what Rodney Hudson brings to this team, and we've heard that from coaches and his teammates about not just the physical play, but how smart he is and how he sees the game and sees defenses and that connection with Kyler Murray. But that that that's the big worrisome for me is 
There is a big difference when Rodney Hudson is not on the field for Kyler Murray. Look, Dalvin Tomlinson was a problem until he left the game in the second half. Uh, Cardinals did not have to go against Al Woods, the big interior D lineman for Seattle, arguably their best player on that that front four. So he's going to be a factor in this game. It is a big deal, and any quarterback, the interior pressure, but especially a five foot ten Kyler Murray. So uh, that is one of the first things that I always look at: is okay, how is that pocket holding up from the inside out? And at times, he definitely had time against the Vikings. I tell you what, the Vikings, though, sending Zadarius Smith straight up the middle on a few of those TE games, that was really well done. Really well done. That's how he got his first two sacks. He ended up with three on the game. And, uh, you know, that's that, that was a nice little move by Ed Donatel, their, their defensive coordinator. It was effective. And guess what? You're probably going to see it again because how does it work in the NFL? You see it until you stop it. So we'll see what else is coming their way. But speaking of getting to the quarterback, how about J.J. Watt? Hmm? How about those uh, those two sacks? And All right, I'm, let's hear your prediction. So there I was. It was four hours before kickoff, and it was in Minnesota. And I'm out on the field. I'm taking the obligatory picture of the field and the venue and the whole deal for Twitter, of which you know I get zero traction or response on it. But whatever, I go down swinging anyway. So boom, as I'm leaving the field, J.J. Watt is attempting to come onto the field. Now, what do you mean by attempting? Well, he had a cup of hot coffee in his hand, and the yellow security jacket guy says, sorry, sir, no beverages on the field. Um, Never really seen that rule before, especially we're talking about a plain surface that'll have blood and sweat and spit on it, but no coffee? I mean, man just wants to be alone in his how, thoughts how with a JJ cup of coffee. How did JJ deal with that? He actually smiled and kind of did the old, okay, all right. And he stopped and he sort of had some of his coffee as I walked away. So I just went on the air. I needed something to, to open the broadcast with. I said, well, if Pat P can predict two interceptions. I'm going to predict, predict two J.J. Watt sacks based on the fact that you just triggered the man, the yellow security guy down there. And what happened? Boom, a couple of sacks. Of course, he might have been playing in honor of his newborn son a lot more than the coffee, but I just, you know, it's made for good copy. That's all. And see, Paul, that's why you're the best at your job. <laughs> that's right. You see those things that nobody yeah, else does. That's right. That's what I get for flexing and, and telling my little story. I get it. Just no, show, I'm supporting yeah, you. Just the snarky comment right That was to my not face. snarky. That yeah. was 100% yeah, that's cool. genuine. That's cool. See, so. This is what Danny, she's got troubles here yeah. because now we can't tell the yeah. difference between snark and genuine. Yeah. I mean, Jared Allen. Right I want you. Jared Allen rides a horse out onto the field, and the potential for a mess there, and he can't bring a cup of coffee. Actually, out there. come on. I, I, that I did, did just, say that pregame yes, radio. Did. Just like what happens, My, <laughs> right. and and now that now that you bring it up, like that is a good question. Like you're bringing a horse out there, and by the way. The horse came out with Jared Allen at half time. It also came out like two or three times pregame as yes. they tested him yes. out. Yes. The I'm horse just, has needs. I'm just glad the horse was okay with all that noise. All oh, those fans man. at halftime yeah. cheering. I'm just surprised he was able to make it through all the snow. I'm just saying. The, the fake snow coming down. Thank goodness we were in the second row. and the, the press box is open, so there's no glass blocking us from the top row of the fans. And thank goodness we were in the second row because... The journalists that were in the front row, probably unbeknownst to them, looked like they had some really bad dandruff That's because true. of the snow that mm. was falling on top of their heads. Danny tried to talk to me about 17 <laughs> times during the game, and she's like literally we're like a foot, a foot <laughs> apart, and I can't hear her. It was what? So loud. What? What'd you say? That's exactly how every conversation went, and finally I just gave up. I found out the hard way that that stadium has panels, and they opened up the panels, so there was a lot of cool Minnesota air in there. <laughs> it was a little And I didn't. I did not have a jacket. I'm like, what's so going on? I go dude? down pregame, and I got my suit on, 
and I do something on the on the and I'm in the end zone right by where the panels are open and it's chilly down there and and Caitlin's cold and uh, uh, somebody else I think uh, uh, Kyle was cold our our video and camera people thin blood and I tweet out the video and I said so there's a little bit of a chill now that the the panels are open and some guy who I looked and saw that he was a Vikings fan he goes where are you from <laughs> the desert. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say some place where that's chilly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. That I think those doors open that's what allowed them to have so many fireworks. I was startled the first like 3 times yeah, they had I, fireworks I felt your go off a couple times. No, those aren't the doors. That's not the doors. They do that all the time. All right. Well, we've devolved into uh, you know, little side stories about game day. That so That means we got to let Danny go. Yeah. Any other Not uh, permanently, just right now. Anything else? Any other bombshells coming anything else you expect i mean i'm just glad you're still here after the trade deadline paul that's all (laughs) that's right they could have thrown me in trying to make the numbers work you know some of the salary cap implications you know so uh i'm the epitome of a throw-in put it that way and that'll do it for this edition of cardinals underground brought to you by pacific office automation